1: Today we have with us Allison Stevens, who is the clinical director of Wagner Hills, which is a recovery house program and the women's director for the Wagner Hills Women's Campus. I had such a great time talking with Allison today about the things that she is part of and the activity that she's involved in, but we also talked about the ramifications, the effect of mental health, even on our spiritual life, on our walk with God. And so some of the things we talked about were mental health and you know, what Wagner Hills is part of and how a recovery program like that one is doing amazing work. Um, but we, we talked about the complexities of mental health. And fundamentally, we believe that God is inviting us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so understanding that our mind, our emotions, our body, our soul is all interconnected and we cannot compartmentalize is another thing that we talk about with Allison. And so God is concerned with you and with me, the whole person of us, not just one facet of our lives. And so Allison and I have a great conversation, and I trust that you will enjoy this episode with Allison Stevens. Well, today with me on this episode of In Doubt, we have Allison Stevens, and she is the director of the Women's Campus at Wagner Hills, as well as the clinical director for both the men and women's campuses of Wagner Hills. And for those of you who don't know, Wagner Hills is a one-year program that is aimed to help individuals heal mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually through relationship with God and others. And so, Allison, it is so good to have you with us. Thanks for being here.
0: Great to be here.
1: So, could you ex- expand a little bit about Wagner Hills, but maybe actually, you know, before we do that, would you be able to tell us a little bit about you and what, what God has done in your life and how you ended up where you are now?
0: Sure. Um, I'll just say very quickly, I um, grew up Catholic, actually, in a family of 14. Wow! Yeah, my parents were very Catholic, yeah. <laughs> um, and moved around a lot, and then um, started at UBC the year after I, a year after high school. And God just called me to Himself and mm. to um, to being born again. Mm. Um, so I've been a Christian for many, many years, and have. Uh, I My f- first part of my career, I was actually a Bible teacher oh, wow. in a boarding school in North Carolina and then in Bolivia for a term. And then um, in my 30s, I went into social services and I worked in social services for 12 years and so worked in all kinds of programs. And that whole period was very secular. Um, secular in that I worked for like just community organizations and contracted by the government, and then um, did my masters and PhD in counseling psychology at UBC, mm-hmm. and became registered as a psychologist. And so for the last um, ten years, I've been doing private practice, and I, I actually went into practice in in two thousand and. Yeah, 2005, so longer than that. But I was doing private practice while I did my PhD. Mm. And then um, just was feeling a little bit like too much of the same thing, even though I loved my work. And I actually heard Jason Roberts, the executive director of Wagner Hills on the radio. And at the end of his little blurb for Wagner Hills, he, he extended an invitation and said, if you're interested in knowing more about us, come on out for a visit or give us a call. And so I got to my office and I gave him a call. Wow. <laughs> and now he's here I am. That was like two and a half years ago. And uh-huh. here I am now the um, director at the women's campus and clinical director.
1: So, yeah. yeah, maybe you could explain a little bit more about Wagner Hills for us and then also kind of what your involvement is there as the women's director, but then also as the clinical director over the whole. Issue. Sure.
0: Um, so Wagner Hills, you know, you get into the treatment world for addictions and there are many, many different kinds of treatment centers and and you know the, the kind of the per, the spectrum of services. Wagner Hills um is the the thing that is amazing about it is most treatment centers are clinical programs, so that's kind of their focus is what what kind of clinical things do we need to do to to facilitate healing and recovery from addiction? um and so wagner hills they have that but what they at the at the foundation of it is that healing really is it's more than addiction it's where is this person broken where what are their needs so creating is a foundation that that healing really comes through jesus it comes through christ and through his completed work on the cross and that has to be the foundation for recovery and recovery has to be broader than addiction. Um, So that's kind of the focus of Wagner Hills and so it was started the men's campus was actually started I think it's it's close to 40 years it's 38 or 39 years ago and what's beautiful about it is it has this kind of three pronged approach to how they facilitate recovery. Um, So there's the spiritual As the foundation, there's the clinical like um, counseling and group work and you know all those kinds of things, teaching and classes. But both the men's and the women's campuses are on um, acreages and they're both like stunningly beautiful. And so what Wagner Hills did is they created kind of a working farm, so there's a work program as well. And that's what I love. I always say, you know, I'm not a, like a giant fan of, of Sigmund Freud, mm-hmm. but the one thing I th- he really got right is he said life is really about love and work. And and I think that's biblical, mm-hmm. you know, that God created us for relationship, but he also created us Um, to do something that fits with who he made us to be, that is productive and life-changing and world-changing. And Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's kind of what Wagner Hills provides. So people who come there get the healing that comes just from being in community. They get mentored and discipled in Christ. They get clinical treatment, and they're part of a work program where you learn to work shoulder-to-shoulder with other people.
1: That is so cool. I think, yeah, that work piece is... I think, specifically unique to a lot of maybe recovery treatment centers where, you know, you're working with your hands in a garden. Absolutely. And I think that that relationship with even creation is probably holistic and healing. And there's probably many people who are unfamiliar with that feeling and that being in touch with God's creation. And so that probably has a huge effect on individuals.
0: Absolutely. And we're we're looking, um, you know, I, I think I've always in my career had this privilege of God putting me into work that I loved and where I felt like it mattered. But I think the vast majority of the world doesn't do that. The vast majority of the world works to make an income to provide. Right for their family. For me, one of the the things that was on my heart when I came in and I just, you know, um, having worked in the field for so many years, you know how important it is that people don't just get healing of their heart, but that they actually discover who they're made to be. what How has God gifted them and what are their interests? And so, I just saw the potential at Wagner Hills for what can we do to create something that gives men and women an opportunity to try different trades and mm-hmm. skills. And, and so it's there's this kind of common vision of how do we want to include supporting education? and how do we want to, you know, you can treatment can be very kind of compartmentalized. You did your year, this mm-hmm. is what you get now I'm on your way. Right. But the reality is, in addictions, the the high majority of people who um, go through a treatment program go back to using or or, yeah, they do. Um, And so, why is that? And part of it is that often treatment programs are not long enough because they don't have the funding, um, or the they're. There's too many gaps in the system and people fall through the system, so they leave and there isn't a network of resources and and support to help them to continue in their journey. So that's one thing we're looking at as well at Wagner Hills is how can we create kind of a continuum where people can stay after a year. So we have second years or even even third people who kind of stay on the farm. And they might be off doing schooling, but they're living on the farms, um, or they like whatever it is, they might be doing um, an internship or whatever out Mm -hmm. in the community. Mm -hmm. So we're just trying to look at how can we do this in a way that really, really gives God all the room He could have to provide as much healing and health as can
1: happen. Yeah, and I I have to say, I've been to Wagner Hills. Just the, the passion and the the excitement yeah. about hey we're going to chapel we're going to go worship and it's like you know i see so often in churches that it's like oh we got to have like the full on band yeah. it's got to be lights <laughs> <Yeah>. and smoke <laughs> and cameras and then people will get excited yeah. and you know coming to wagner hills yeah. it's like 50 guys in a room yeah. one acoustic guitar <laughs> and yeah. these guys are giving it like That's and right. they're just sold out for jesus and like passionate and i think that is a beautiful picture of like hey, these these guys yeah. have a, such a close remembrance of what they've been saved from, and so they want to respond. Absolutely. And they want to say, you know, I know what Jesus has saved me yeah. from, and that to me is amazing. And and so I, I'm super curious, like, what, what would be w- one of the reasons and what are some of the most, like, I don't know what the statistics are for why people end up in addiction, or what's the, is it a slippery slope that starts somewhere and... Or I don't know if it's that easy to answer, but what would... Uh...
0: So it is, of course, it's very complex. Mm-hmm. There has been such a tendency in treatment to focus on addiction as the problem. And so you want to look at addictive behavior and addictive personalities and is there a gene and you know, all of that. And if you can address the, the addiction, then people are going to be okay. And that's just crazy making to me. One of the things that I do about every three or four, I teach a class one once a week at oh, cool. the, with both campuses together. And we cover everything like we cover, you know, depression and anxiety and PTSD and addiction and sexuality and like we just cover everything. Mm -hmm. I just kind of, you know, kind of really pray into it and look at the research and and just kind of go, what what is going to be helpful here? And so one of the things I do every three to four months is I listed like 50 different issues that can be an issue that are part of your brokenness. And so it includes everything from attachment to your parents went through a divorce to you went through a divorce through that you have a disability or you have feel alcohol syndrome or you've been through trauma or um, you have uh, I listed all kinds of addictions from gaming to sexual addiction to drug and alcohol to gambling um, or that you have depression or you have anxiety like I just listed like 50 different right. things. And then what I did was put a big circle at the top like a pie. And I said, and I just gave, handed them all out, and I say, I want you to just sit there and think how many of these issues are an issue for you that needs to be addressed. And I get them to circle it. And so um, they will circle, some of them circle like all of them except for six. Um, and then I, I talked to them, that whole class is about, Why do we think that you can deal with addiction and not address all those other issues and you're going to walk out of a treatment center and you're going to be okay? That's insane. And so I tell them, you need to know yourself and know what it is that you need. And just this sheet alone can tell you what are the priorities. And then I'll get them, pick the top five or pick the top ten. Now prioritize them. And then I get them to, and I'll say, I know this isn't statistically accurate, but on the pie chart, show how much of the pie is that issue and then they get kind of this picture of themselves and then i tell them take ownership of your own recovery and i say you know when when clients come in to see me and they say um, you know i'm ready to say that we're going to talk about this or well, we talked about this last week so i assume we're going to continue they say nope they come in they have a list on their phone they say this is what we need to talk about i love it because they're mm-hmm. taking ownership of their own recovery if we do not provide a more wrap around kind of what is going to heal people. And then, you know, I think if they learn to be open about their problems, they're going to get some healing. But we can never forget that in the end, it's all death, right? Unless they have salvation. So that's why I think Wagner Hills, I think we have the potential to be something that is really just phenomenal because I think we're getting it right in terms of what is going to help people to heal.
1: Yeah, and even like the whole person. Like as you're talking, I'm thinking about the whole person. Like it's not just, oh, I'm physically sick. No, like, you know, we're all, we're so integrated. The, The song that I always, you know, reference in this type of conversation is there's a Lady Gaga song and she says, you can't have my heart and you can't have my mind, but do what you want with my body. It's so fascinating that this is actually a belief that, you know, your physical body is not connected to your mind, your emotions. And where Jesus comes in, he's like, no, 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 hold on. The whole person.
0: Exactly. You
1: are one person. And, you know, what's the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He doesn't just say, love the Lord your God with your heart or just your mind. And so... I'm curious, is that a belief that people think if I fix this area of my life, then yeah. all the other ones will be fixed?
0: I don't, it's funny, I don't find it so much as a belief. Um, I find it more as a way of coping that people, in order to manage life when it's difficult, compartmentalize. And so they stay in their head and they don't deal with their emotions or they're disconnected from their body or um, they compartmentalize like they manage really well at work, and yeah. then they go home and everything's a mess. So people compartmentalize to cope. But when people feel that you're for them, that you believe in them, that you're not judging them, and then you start to talk about the whole person and that if they're really going to get healed, I find there's hunger everywhere. So I, I've always taught that way and worked that way, and as a psychologist, I work that way. And I find people are always responsive because they're not coming to me because they don't need help. They're coming to me because they're saying something's not right. And the other thing is the truth, you know, that, that God is truth and he's Lord. And so he's working. And people, even when they don't belong to the, they haven't given their life to the Lord. They already belong to the Lord. Right. Um, but when people hear truth, they Often I find people, even if they're not Christians, they know truth. And that, you know, that verse in John John eight thirty two that you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's true for all mankind. Yeah,
1: yeah totally. So I guess one of my questions that comes out of that is from that position, though, of, of maybe seeing how people cope with their stuff by compartmentalizing, what would be, from your perspective, is the area of life, whether it's mind, heart, will or strength, that people tend to suppress or want to ignore. If there's an issue that this one area is the one where they'll try and avoid or they'll have a hard time listening to. Of those kind of components. Yeah, of those kind of components.
0: The emotional. Yeah? Yeah, because we don't want to feel, right? And it's interesting because, you know, the Bible's clear, the transforming of our mind is what changes us. But like you said, God made us a whole being. And I pretty much always find that the way to where are needed is through our emotions. So with clients who are very kind of cerebral, they're very in their head. um, They, you can present. They'll talk about something. They can talk about it this very kind of cognitive, heady kind of way. yeah. Yeah. And then I'll say, I just want you to stop, and I want you just to tell me what you feel. What emotion does it bring up? And the ones who are super cognitive will go, I feel like and then they'll say something (laughs) cognitive again. And I have to like actually teach them to feel. So if you think about addiction, addiction is actually avoidance. It's avoiding sitting with yourself. It's avoiding sitting Mm -hmm. with how life has made you feel, what the brokenness feels like. So it's a moving away from yourself. But so is anxiety. Anxiety is a constantly trying to move away right. from yourself. And so the healing is learning to turn around and move towards yourself. And that, that means learning to sit with your emotions and sit with how, how trauma feels, for example, in the right. body. Learning to move towards yourself because when we move towards ourselves is where now there's an openness for God to actually connect mm. with you and speak to you.
1: You know, even as you're talking about the avoidance piece, or more so the the like the rational, cerebral, like logical, yeah. like hey, yeah, what are you feeling? Like, let's not ignore yeah. this, and how does that connect to the whole picture? And yeah. I just think, like, as you're talking, I'm like, you're talking about me. Like, there's sometimes we're like, even with my wife, she'll be like, yeah. how does that like, what's that feel yeah. like? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> for me? What? Is- is there is there supposed to be a feeling here am (laughs) I supposed to be like and then she'll probe deeper and deeper I'm like oh yeah I am feeling this way like and I and I didn't even realize it and I think that's one of the things is that it it's a skill and you know not everybody knows that skill like I've definitely had to learn that skill and I've had to invite people to be like challenge me and say hey where are my blind spots and help me feel what I'm trying to feel and so I mean this is kind of an aside but how do you go about teaching people the skill of uh, the strength to actually go towards the inside and say okay like i'm going to walk around the compartments of my soul yeah. with a yeah. flashlight and yeah. say holy spirit like reveal in me the areas that you want to work and then let me be open to it like how do you teach that
0: yeah it's interesting because i've obviously done a lot of education and so you learn a lot of the theory of trauma and addiction, like uh, depression, and anxiety. like you learn all the theory and you learn the techniques. And, you know, at UBC, they have uh, labs that have two way mirrors with a whole bunch of counseling rooms. Mm-hmm. And So you have your fellow students and profs who are watching you. And um, so you, you go through all of that. But there is a core part of it that you cannot learn from a booker in a classroom. It comes from in here. And so sometimes I see counselors who have excellent kind of clinical technique, but there is not the deep, deep working of God in their life that makes them able to actually connect with people in a way that can really like just release the room for God to work through the relationship. And the thing I often see with people who are, are like that is they don't even know they're like that. They think they're a good counselor because they are smart and they have right. good technique. But I have seen counselors who they don't have all the theory, but there's something so human about them. And, you know, a a saying like the the women's campus always quotes me on this because I always say it, that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And I love that, that there's only one who's elevated, and that is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us, we're all the same. And so it's very easy for professionals to kind of hide behind their skill or their technique or their training and their education or whatever. And we can't forget that I am you. You are me. We are all lost. We all need a Savior. So for me, it's working with people in a way that is just so human, where I'm not elevated one inch above you. I'm coming alongside you in your journey, and I'm asking for an invitation because you get to invite me. I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to give you a bunch of answers and, and information and whatever. And when you turn the power over to them to own their own healing and to have a voice, And to tell you what they need and to tell you when what you're doing isn't working or helping. When people are empowered and when they know that it's okay to be broken because we all are, the ground at the foot of the cross is level, then it puts things in their right position. And now Jesus can work. It's beautiful.
1: It is beautiful. And it's a beautiful picture of we all come to Jesus in the same way. Yes. And so, you know, as we tend towards wrapping up our time together, a curious question is, you know, for those who are listening, who find themselves in addiction. And maybe it's not debilitating them, yeah. but maybe it's, you know, they go through their classes yeah. and then they go home and they play video games for 9 hours yeah. and then get 2 hours of sleep yeah. or they're addicted to pornography or yeah. they have relationships that they're maybe addicted to in terms of they find their identity yeah. in others. What would be something that you would encourage them with? And and I want to ask this because you mentioned it twice, I believe yeah. so far is owning your recovery. And so I'm curious if that is a big theme for you or if that's something you would encourage others to take on.
0: The so owning your recovery, if uh, for me, I've practiced for many, many years in the area of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And people who where the, where the post-traumatic stress is more severe can't own, it's extremely difficult. They're, they can often be so broken, they need you to almost tell them which way to turn and how to walk? and um, and so it's kind of like you just had a baby, you said earlier. Yeah, yeah. so you know it it's kind of the process of of raising a kid where it, there's a movement from totally dependent to increasing independence. And your job as a parent is to facilitate that and support it and and build it, guide it. But more and more, you know, the day comes when you no longer have that kind of authority. They actually, like I, I was talking to my 25-year-old son on the drive-in, and I love watching how he's becoming his own person. Yeah, so there's that, um, knowing kind of where is this person at, how much are they able to kind mm-hmm. of take the initiative and, and own their recovery, and how much do they need me to say, or me, need me or the other staff to say, have you considered this, or are you still doing that? And then the other thing that is so, so critical is there, I, I think it's for a number of reasons, but the the whole kind of uh, recovery and treatment and detox, like that whole community, because it's, it's very political and it's all related to funding. And so there is a tendency to want to say, OK, here's this treatment program and here's the miracles that are going to happen when you're in our treatment program. And then you're going to move on without saying the truth that that's not actually true is mm-hmm. that, um, and so the piece, the point I, w- I would want to finish with is that recovery is a journey. It's a lifelong journey of healing. Addiction is one piece of that, and that's true for all people. Mike, um, do you know Freedom Session? Yeah. yeah okay, so um, yeah. I, we've brought in Wagner Hills. Oh, cool. And, yeah, and so um, I was there last night, and so I facilitate a women's group of women with post-traumatic stress, but I do the program even though i've been i'm you know i've been a christian for many many years i've been in practice i'm a psychologist blah 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 but i still need my own healing Absolutely. so we are all on a journey and when people finish a treatment program it's not like they're done and so that's why we want to work with people to go what do you need what are the resources that mm-hmm. need to be in place and what we tell them when they you know quotation marks graduate right. from Wagner Hills is you are part of the farm you're part of us so mm-hmm. stay connected and we just try and continue to walk alongside people in our journey and they walk alongside us.
1: Yeah. And I think that's key. Like even with Freedom Sessions, it's yeah. a it's a program that's yes. a very deep internal looking with community and it's over a course of a large number of weeks
0: it can be 20 weeks or it can be 30 weeks depending on if you do the whole thing
1: but what's what's key there is like i have a friend who's doing it right now and he's he's loving it and he's just like you're in community yeah you're sitting around a table and it's like hey we're all on level ground here and so let's have this conversation as human beings and we're all going through this in our own way and i think that's. What I'm hearing some of what you're saying is really two things are sticking out to me is like if you can own it, own it. If you can own it, it's still wise to be in community.
0: Absolutely. If you
1: can't own it, yeah. you definitely need community. Yeah. And so in both pictures is this yeah. invitation. And I think that's where the gospel invites us to take on his strength. You know, his spirit is alive in us and so we can walk with our head up high because we know we've been forgiven and that emboldens us to own our stuff because we know he paid for it at the cross and and to invite other people in and so this is a beautiful story beautiful conversation so allison thanks so much for being with us it has been a joy to have this conversation and so i hope that in the future we can do this again
0: excellent thank you so much for having me
1: Thanks for tuning in this week with this episode. Having Allison Stevens is such a joy. And I hope that this conversation really spurred some thinking for you as what it means to be a follower of Jesus with either mental illness and how that affects our mental health and hopefully how to care for And love those who are walking through dark times or difficult times or times where their mental health is uh, fluctuating. And so in all of these things, we believe that God is inviting all of us to, like I said earlier, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And accepting that we are not perfect and letting God do his work by his spirit in our lives. It's all a process for all of us. But it was such a joy to talk to her. Join us next week as I have a conversation with Danielle Strickland around empowering young women, empowering women to use their voice, to share their story. And so hope that you connect in with us next week and listen to our conversation with Danielle.
0: Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.